0: Live from the simply beautiful hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create a better life for all of us. And if you buy that, I got some swamp land in Florida. It's
1: 200 degrees in in Encino right now. It is unbelievable. Just when you thought
0: that your life was over, SEAL Team 6 comes to the rescue. We have a limited amount of time. We have a New York Times bestselling author on the phone. People found out that Anthony Flacco was returning to True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. He immediately became a New York Times bestseller. Is that right? I
2: I think that is how it happened.
0: How did you get so lucky as to be the guy to write this story? And tell us what the story is, too.
2: I'll start with the story itself. In October of 2011, a 30 from Ohio named Jessica Buchanan was uh, doing humanitarian aid work in Somalia. Uh, Her job there was to work with a a non-governmental organization that educated the population Munitions that are scattered all through Somalia after uh, more than 20 years of complete anarchy in that country. And as you'll see, the photos in the book show there's a whole generation of amputees there now because of... uh, stepping on these mines or or unexploded shells so her job was down there educating people in all the different ways uh, that they can look and of course some of the mines very cruelly are designed to look like toys Uh, the same concept that was used back in vietnam and so
0: who comes up with these brilliant ideas i got an idea let's make a landmine that looks like a toy so we can blow up kids well, sure, that's what I want. I want their
2: name and address. Yeah, no kidding. Course.
1: They have no address.
2: No, they, and they, they, have they have stay no in the shadows forever like right. they always do. That's right. But nevertheless, she was doing this and had gone to a staff meeting on uh, the southern side of the city of Galcao in Somalia. That's important because there's an invisible border there called the Green Line, which separates uh, what remains of Somalia as an actual country with a government and a system, and uh, lower Somalia, uh, w- which is run by the Islamists, and uh, the capital of Mogadishu is, is where they are gathered. So she ventured down into the southern Somalia district or close To the border uh, against her will. She had uh, her organization been pressuring her for months to go to some kind of a staff meeting down there and educate local teachers, Uh, but she kept canceling because of just concerns about danger in the region. She was no no fool. Right, her husband uh, was uh, worked with the government there. He worked with the Danish NGO, working with the various government factions, trying to use uh, uh, infrastructure uh, grants for roads and water and stuff to pull the warring clans together. Can we do that in America? Can we chaos. get some
0: of those grants? Okay. Anyway, so yeah. she goes down there against her will. She's being kind of pressured to do this.
2: That's right. And uh, she does the meeting. Uh, she's on her way home, and the car is swarmed by a number of cars and some twenty-six. Somalia fighters with ropes of ammunition around their shoulders and masks around their faces and machine guns, and she and her Danish colleague, a man named Paul Fisted, are yanked out of their caravan of three cars, uh, pulled into the kidnappers' caravan, and spirited out of town, and then driving for some hours out through the raw open desert. Uh, Nobody spoke English except for a few single-word commands they would give her, Uh, so she had no idea who these people were or what they wanted. Uh, Her chief concern, of course, was that if they were Islamists, she knew that she was going to die on a viral video. turns out they were just kidnappers. These are the same uh, pirates who've been working uh, out on the seas near Somalia, but who've been pretty much driven off the seas by the governments now, who've gotten together and sent in warships. Well, of course, that didn't make the desperation go away. They just moved inland, and she ran afoul of one of those groups. Uh,
0: so Mark has a question. Yes, Mark, you boy.
3: Was, was she uh, targeted specifically, or was this just a, by chance A counter.
2: Well that's that's a great question. And at first it seemed like a chance encounter. The more time went on, it seems she was targeted specifically. I think not her, but rather her uh, stance as an American, uh, I, I believe it's regarded as a sort of a, a test a feint by the forces to see what would happen if they kidnapped an American. If they learned that they could start kidnapping Americans with impunity, of course, that knowledge is worth many millions of dollars to these guys.
1: Well, they they wanted $45 million for her. Just a, a, you know, nice, round round a nice round number. Yeah, a quick question is, Howard Anthony. Uh, the... Um, the, the number, I was fascinated by the number 26, and I'll, I'll, I'll share my fascination with you. You, you. It rolled off your tongue very easily that she was Ouch. kidnapped by 26 people. When right. being kidnapped in those circumstances, in, those, in that place, who the heck counts? What do you
2: mean? Oh, well, she certainly didn't count them then, and she only saw perhaps five or six of the 26 who jumped into her car. So
1: how do you know it's 26? It you... was only
2: later that she was able, at the camp, to count the number of assailants who were among this group.
1: Okay, so the 26 guys throw her in the, uh, they, they held her hostage. Now, backing up even further, she's a girl from Ohio. What the heck, seriously, what the heck... Is she doing in Somalia? Married to a, a Dane, correct?
2: Well, uh, Swede. Her That's colleague a was okay. Danish. Her husband oh, sorry, was Swedish. Oh, yep. uh, What
1: possessed her to be in Somalia? you know, we get... It,
2: it it's I'm a, a
1: fairly direct route, teacher.
2: really. She, she was just a school teacher. She wanted to teach children. But she didn't want to work necessarily right in America. She knew that she had had a very white-bred upbringing, and she wanted something different. She started teaching in Guatemala down there but that was a very hot political zone she came back home uh, secured a different teaching degree and then went to africa because she had become for a number of years concerned about the plight of child soldiers in africa i've asked her why she should care about that when the other girl she was playing with didn't care and she can't answer that she just from the time she learned about it it became a fixation of hers and a point of outrage and uh, ignorance is used against the children to keep them uh, subservient there. Yeah, so but, she had but, 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 gone to Africa in a fairly peaceful uh, part of Kenya to teach school and had done that for several years with no problem. But they had just recently, having married uh, Eric, who was working with the uh, NGOs and the local governments down there, had moved to Hargesa, Somalia, which is in a little hotter zone, just to be with him. That was where he worked. Since she was there, she transferred to a job that worked in that area, which was this NGO teaching the people about mine activity, and still it was the children. Everywhere she went, she would see these little five-year-olds with their legs blown off hopping around on wagons, and she was pulled in through direct concern.
1: Look, I'm a disc jockey from Buffalo. That's about as far as it goes, okay? And I know I don't go to Somalia. I know that I haven't got a shot in Somalia as an American. <laughs> and, uh, well, you laugh, but it's true. I mean, every Mongoloid Cretan that across, across the country knows that you just don't go there. What the heck was she doing in Somalia? I'm not buying actually, that she was no a that, teacher. Actually,
2: there's, there's a lot of people there from America and from other Western nations as well. And Why? they're working the NGOs, which form the only infrastructure that the country has. Now, the question, uh, the question really is, why does anybody care enough to go form their infrastructure? Okay. Why not stand back and let it all boil? Okay. And I guess that just comes down to the kind of person you are. I might stand back and let it boil, but someone like Jessica or her husband, Eric, uh, won't.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm a good person. I'd start in South Central Los Angeles before I start running over to Somalia.
2: Well, you know, I agree, and I'm not going there either. But right. I also but there are pe-
1: thank
0: God there are people who care enough to give their very well. Best. That's
1: the communist in you. I, I really want to know why, <laughs> and what, what really motivates somebody to do that and feel that they can be safe, and then at the same time, then then become kidnapped. Uh, knew darn well that once she was kidnapped, there was a pretty good shot that as a woman in that area who's an American, she was not going to see the light of day again. I mean, you know that's how she felt. She's been all over sure. the, the press, She's all over 60 Minutes and The Tonight Show, etc. She's just a terrific guest uh, and tells a wonderful story. I don't, I don't know how much of it I'm buying. It almost sounds like a fairy tale to me. It really does.
2: I understand. All I can tell you is that I researched it and got up close and personal, and it's real, and that's who these guys are. They had been there for years doing this. I mean, she was uh, in her mid-20s when she began. Uh, so her commitment is not just a matter of weeks or months, but over a year's time. And she only met Eric there because he was there with the same kind of commitment, and he also had worked there safely for years.
1: What's the CIA commitment in Somalia?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I certainly didn't talk to anybody from the CIA for this. The FBI was the only contact that really had with this story. A uh, reason that I was given why it was the FBI and not the CIA was uh, if it's a civilian American who is involved in some crime, that's the FBI. If it's something governmental or terrorist-related, that's the CIA. That's how,
1: did she the CIA? Rate, how did she rate SEAL Team 6?
2: Well, I, I think... It, it, for a long time, it was hard for her to even fi- find words. She is so grateful. She understands clearly. and oh, she's I'm able sure she to articulate is. That every day uh, she lives now as a gift from these guys. The reason the book is called Impossible Odds is because there's no way she should have lived by that. And and, and even not, not have suffered a sexual rape assault. Uh, it's it just not It's not believable. It never happens, and yet it happened anyway. So this that, is, that
3: doesn't answer the question. <clears throat> Um, How do we get from a nondescript couple working in a foreign land to the presidency?
2: Well, you know, I can give you the outline, but no one's ever going to give us all the details because that would have to get into how their line of communication actually works back and forth between uh, Somalia and, and the White House. I can tell you there's a local FBI office there. They immediately got involved because it was in their jurisdiction, and I assume once the FBI has direct contact on any crime, you're essentially wired into the White House system. Uh, It only became, uh, it only went up to Barack Obama, I think, right away. As it did The, the day she was kidnapped, he knew. I mean, within a couple of hours, he knew. Uh, and, and the reason it traveled with that kind of light speed, I'm sure, is this represented a sea change in American foreign policy. If the president had allowed an American to be kidnapped and, you know, paraded and all the other things that, that we know can happen, uh, it would be a serious uh, breach of his standing and credibility. And I'm well, sure why, why. Why is it,
1: what's bugging me, Anthony, that I think that there's just more to all this than a teacher getting kidnapped?
2: Well, I'm sure there's much more to it. Right, so let's talk right. about it
1: what do you think what do you think i mean you're, you're you're nobody's closer to this story than you are
2: well i i can tell you what i think but at this point i going to make clear this is my speculation that's I what i'm know, asking
1: for knowledge. and we can make that as clear as crystal clear this is, this is not this is not your totally book it's your specula- you wrote a great book and it's selling really well we're very happy we're going to sell more books for you today what's your <laughs> what's your what's your speculation
2: I think that there is uh, an underground uh, organization of crime uh, internationally that undulates under our civilization like black water, and a little bit of it spurted right up here. I believe it was directed from uh, uh, Europe, probably the the, uh, United Kingdom, which we know some Somali pirate control has come from before, usually by a Somali national who's grown up, in the UK, learn to speak the language and assimilate the culture, but remains tied back to Somalia. I think that that person was directing an operation that was aimed at testing whether or not the Americans will react if we go after their people. That's a big because test. Consider if, you're, if you run a kidnapper organization, consider what that knowledge is worth, that one single piece of knowledge. We can hit him, and Obama won't do a thing. He'll come and apologize to us. Think of how much that's worth to you. And I think that's what they were doing that this was a, a, a faint attack by enemy forces to see what the response would be. And I believe that's why the president knew almost instantly. Uh, he knew either as soon as her husband or shortly after. I mean, in the same amount of time, which was just a couple hours. Uh, was directly involved. And I can't imagine any other reason why a simple kidnapping would go straight to the White House.
1: Oh, me neither. That's what has me fascinated. Yeah, and by the way, you're, I really want to kind of drill down on your, on your black water theory because it's fascinating. I mean, now we're talking about something that could affect each and every one of us wherever we may be walking.
3: Whenever there's large sums of money, people will try to get it. Well, if that's that's means. one
1: thing. But we're talking about uh, the jealousy of lifestyle, which is a, light, a large. You know, they they don't know what forty five million meant. But they or, were, or did that.
3: These guys weren't going to get the money. Of course Somebody not. Of
1: course get. not. But they wanted to get our attention somehow. You know, they think. Do they not think that we respond to money all the time? So so. Uh, no, hang on. Let let, let Anthony answer. Well, I,
2: I'm sorry. What's
1: the question? The question is: did, uh, We're talking about this black hole. Your theory, okay? Aside yes. from your book, which is terrific, but but uh, this, you're, uh, when you speculate and you're out there and you're somewhere somewhere where I I'm thinking too, by the way. So so we're kind of. I just want to go there because I've 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 always feared this that something like this exists that it's bigger and it's deeper. It's exceptionally anti-American and it's scary. Yes. And 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 my my question is is you know how. In your opinion, strictly your opinion, how do we all not fear this? Where can it rear its ugly head?
2: Well, I mean, sadly, the more you think about it, the more paranoia will overwhelm you. And and we've got to live our lives. We've got to be be able to put our fears down and go take take care of the children. But nevertheless, that that doesn't make the evil go away. All I can tell you, if I were running a, a hostile force that I wanted to do in America even if I were a government or recognized person socially, I would have no qualms about running equal or greater efforts in the background at the criminal level in order to get the funds with which to, to fund my operations and attacks and organizations. Why shouldn't they use criminality? Why
3: shouldn't they just go to their uh, own economy? What,
1: what is their real beef with us? What 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 is? You know, why are they the devil? What makes we're, them?
2: We're not. We're not Islamic. And they're not politically correct. They feel no social shame in their bigotry. Uh, in fact, it is encouraged and rewarded. And uh, but aren't, are aren't these guys? Them, who,
0: aren't these guys who did the kidnapping? Aren't they just down? To, aren't they just crooks? I mean, they're pirates, uh, opportunists. They're right. they're the foot soldiers. The guys operation. who were
2: soldiers on the ground were just our American version of punks. Uh, gang bangers like you might find in South LA. However, they were certainly not run by punks, nor were they funded by them. The weapons, the vehicles, the, just the supply of food and drugs that they had, that doesn't come from punks. That's a major force they're feeding them.
1: Okay, let's talk about that. So you say it, 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 if you follow the bloodline, it gets into the UK?
2: I believe it does, yes.
1: I mean, there's so much that i keep hearing about the uk it's uh, can't we have a conversation with them i mean
0: <laughs> uh, it's
1: like sh- sharks as captain coin said about
0: sharks you no, can't reason is, with them. i mean i've
1: got a, a friend of mine happens to be a d- defense attorney on the world plane he lives in the uk and and the more you hear about what's really going on with the united kingdom uh it is just so anti-american and so dangerous to this country and yeah,
2: it's odd. I mean, there's there's two levels of it. There's their own people, and there's just sort of this national rhetoric as it, as it concerns America. But then there's the fact that because they have been so uh, attempting to go away from their world monarch image, and they've become inclusive and softened their laws and, and uh, softened immigration and all that other stuff and become so much more multicultural, it's easy for a hostile force to use that to their advantage.
1: And they're anti-dentistry. <laughs> yeah. That's the real underlying
2: problem, I, I, right there. I, I,
0: I
1: kid the English, but I don't like the fact. I, here's the thing with the English: I, I think that they they still haven't gotten over the Revolutionary War, <laughs> so they're sitting there harboring these people, these anti these you know anti 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 Americans you get anti lifestyle, anti religion, anti anything that we stand for on any level, red state, blue state, whatever. We're all Americans. They hate us. They don't care what our political affiliation is. That not even come into it. We're American, they hate us. Why do yes, Americans then, why do Americans put themselves in a position to go to Somalia and to be a, a 30-year-old uh, uh, female teacher and allow herself, even though she uh, tried to avoid it many times, allow herself to go into this region and think she's going to get away scot free.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's- it's about treading the line. You open the book and you look at the picture of some of the kids she worked with. You look at their faces and realize this is what she was connected to. She wasn't thinking of philosophy or of politics.
1: Yeah, but you put she that in the of book. This too. girl you, you, and you, that you, boy you. and
2: this family here and what she knew about them and what she knew about her ability to help them and this is like a lure to her. Now with to this her book, uh, you know, the beginning of this hold book, you're the line.
1: You're trying to establish the fairy tale. I'm trying to find out who we're talking about here. Yeah, but how that's that's the he heck? Is. You know, you sure she saw all that and she's she's going to save the world? No, she's not. There's no, there was an, another agenda. What was her real agenda?
2: <laughs> you mean like was she a spy or something? I don't, I don't have any information on that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just... with
1: Anthony on this because
0: I, I know people such as this woman. I know people who will go to these places to help children who will put their lives on the line because they think and they believe in all their heart and all their soul. And Howard, you're familiar with this concept of repairing the world. This is something that uh, in our particular faith that we are enjoined to do and that take it as far as it goes. If it puts their life in danger, okay, it puts their life in danger.
1: They knew to grab her. They knew to grab her because she was American. They knew to grab her for other reasons. She was, she was guilty of many things in their, their mind uh, outside of just being an American teacher. Whatever it was,
0: I, I go with Anthony's theory here that uh, they wanted to put a big test. If we grab an American, can we get away with it? Can we shame America?
1: Can we shame the president of America? Well, the answer is no. That's but, right. But, but, <laughs> they but, but, found out, well, no, they, you uh, can't. No, but there's many uh, in their own region, There's there's examples of that. You know, when when, when when the seals put the bullet in the in, you know square in the center of the guy's head in, in the middle of the ocean, uh, you know that's enough to tell me. Yeah, I don't think we're going to dick with these guys for for a while. I and, mean, they you know they've got a really good shot. So so. A
3: simultaneous.
1: Yeah. So how is it that and then and then this this woman, raid right, seal team six, uh, which is the the elite of the elite. We all know that. We know who they are. Uh, Unfortunately, we shouldn't know who they are, by the way. And I I know a variety of Navy SEALs that are pissed that they get any press because they don't want press. They don't want people to know they know how to put a boat in somebody's head. Bingo. They like their job the way it is. They do it in silence and they do it in the shadows and they do it for you and they do it for me. And they did it for her. And they did it for her. And that line about, you know, uh, when they whispered in her ear, you know, uh, "We're Americans." Uh, I'm paraphrasing. "We're Americans." Uh, you know, "We're taking you home." Um, you know, it's a very, very. So let's. I want to go back and get the
0: rest of the story here for our listeners who aren't familiar with all of this. So she's kidnapped by these thugs, these punks, whoever is bankrolling them, and they want forty-five million dollars. Who are they asking this money from, Anthony?
2: Uh, there was a crisis management team that her group of people and the FBI set up and uh, opened up negotiations. Uh, I believe the, it was the guy named um, Dashir, Dashir who uh, first called uh, the FBI and set up the phone connection. One of their guys. They had a satellite phone.
0: So uh, who's supposed to come up with this loot?
2: Well, they didn't care. They just made the <laughs> demand and wouldn't listen to the fact that there was no such loot to be had. Because, uh, you know, in their minds, we're Americans. Of course, you can get forty-five million dollars.
1: Oh yeah, I can. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do they come up with that number? It's just oh, they pull it out of a hat? I guess. Yes, what, out of what, a hat. what are they going to go do exchange it at Grand Central Station? <laughs> how is that going to yeah. work? Yeah. Seriously, They want it by PayPal. What am I listening to? You know, it's like I'm (laughs) listening to this story and I go, wait, 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 there's nothing that makes sense here other than, here's what makes sense. What makes sense is that she was targeted. They want to, I think it's more than just the embarrassment of of America, because they knew damn well they were going to get hurt. That you can't embarrass America at that level. Or at what level was it really? And let's pretend, okay? Let's go with my, my little myth. Let's pretend she's with CIA or FBI. And she was working on behalf of the United States government, and they knew it, and they grabbed her. And that's how she got to the president's desk, and that's how, the, you know, the president said, steal Team 6.
3: It took a long time, though.
1: Well, whatever.
3: But, yeah, what, they,
0: what went on? Give us the story of what what happens from when, when she's kidnapped. I mean, she isn't rescued, you know, like on day two here.
2: No, she was held for 93 days uh, outdoors in the desert. Uh, the only protection she had was the branches of some scrub trees that they were uh, under in the daytime and she slept out in the open at night. Well, what happened is she had already had a a thyroid problem at the time she was captured, and that started uh, going south on her, which was causing her kidneys to go, and uh, just various internal infections, and they were withholding her medicine, and she just basically started fading out. When uh, the word got through that she was dying, and, and the doctors in the states confirmed that she couldn't survive her conditions, That's when the go-order was made by the White House and and the SEALs got involved, uh, two dozen of them.
3: I would love to know how they knew where she was.
2: Yeah, well, they uh, have the ability, as we know, to look all over the planet and all over the world, uh, and scary abilities to control this satellite or that cell tower. Um, information, you know, it's ironic this come out since the book was even written now, all this reveal about the NSA gathering of intelligence and everything it's no longer a sensitive information for us to openly discuss the facts they can learn anything they want, they can so, press any button they want, so they can turn all, it on they can turn it off.
1: Anthony, with all this knowledge of where she is, and good question Mark uh, you know, of all that knowledge they decide well the doctors say she can't survive, so now we know where she is uh, okay, let's get her now well, well not a, a week before, not two weeks before, they knew where she was.
3: There's a piece that you're missing. the uh, The go order was given because of the cover of the f- of the moon cycle. It was pitch black. Is that, that right, Andre? It was.
1: Well, that's how the SEAL Team Six doesn't even know a moon exists. That's the. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, so
3: series. so it's, the go order was given because of the timing and the circumstance. Because then, you know, another month wasn't going to cut it.
1: No, she'd be
0: dead by then. Yeah, right. So right. meanwhile, this woman is dying in the desert of multiple infections. If this all goes south and she dies, it's not going to look good for anybody, especially her. The President of the United States gives the order to rescue this woman. And what happens then?
2: Well, you know, that the funniest thing about this, with all the high-tech and the satellites and the drones and all that stuff, the night vision, the seals... The biggest fear the whole time, the reason they didn't go get her the first day, because they did know approximately where she was, is what does any of that high-tech stuff do to protect you against one punk who's holding an AK-47 to her head and only has to squeeze the trigger? That's, that's really the big thing. They, yeah, but they he's, can he's watch wait, her on he, live-time video. He's not going to
1: do it. He's waiting for a go order from, from, from Mr. Big in,
2: in London. We hope, we, but we know they're also stoned out of their heads on cotton. Who knows what they'll do.
3: Why not go into what uh, this drug is and where they get it? And where we can where we can get it. I uh, know.
2: They had a steady supply brought in every day, once again, because these weren't just punks, and, and they had a, a, an actual supply line somebody was pumping for
1: so them. So they knew her condition? Yes. How
2: do they know her condition? What do you mean, her, her failing? Well, they could observe her failing in front of them. Well, you got I mean,
1: punks. All of a sudden, they're MDs.
2: No, it's not MDS. You can see it on the videotape that she made. I mean, she's clearly a person who's fading away, okay. and, and she's their asset. So they may be stoned, right. and they may be stupid. Why did they leave they her? Also... Why did
1: they leave her outside in the desert? She's a big asset. Why did they leave her under a brush tree? Why, you know? Why why, why did they make her a little bit more comfortable?
2: They seem to think that if they stayed in the wilderness, they could somehow uh, do more to escape drone detection. They were very worried about drones from day one. So, okay. Uh, oddly enough, well, they, didn't they, seem they were to in get the middle of the Concept of, of night vision. Yeah, um,
1: it's fascinating because uh, there's just so much more to it. Let me ask you this: How did you get involved in this?
2: Well, actually, they had contacted my partner, Charlene Martin, who oh, is a literary a agent, uh, looking for a writer. Charlene said, well, this sounds like something Anthony ought to write, but I can't just throw him to you because we're a couple, so here's what I'm going to do. And she gave them a number of writer samples of work and proposals of how they would tell the story. And my main thing was I want to do two things that are very unconventional and that we have to insist the publisher will do. And one, allow us to switch point of view from first person to third person, and two, allow us to write a very internal book that focuses on, Jessica's and her thought processes and her story and their relationship, her and Eric, rather than a SEAL Team 6 book, which this is not. They appear and they do their fabulous work and everything in the final chapter. They're like a tidal wave that comes in. But the book really is Jessica and Eric.
3: That's what makes makes us such a hook. What what makes
2: somebody do what they do? Part of my goal is when you finish the book, you understand it's because (laughs) they're who they are.
1: Well, that's the, you know I started with that, yeah, and that's my big question is how how is it that that's, they do that?
0: That's why that's what I thought was brilliant about the way you handled it, the way you approached it, is by not doing a SEAL Team Six book, but by doing the internal dialogue, by making it the human story of someone in this situation, which means that the reader can identify, can put themselves in there, and, and can really care.
1: A- and Anthony, but, you believe the story is told to you?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah,
1: even but though you've I, got I even though the... you've got a whole hard drive that has this you know black hole theory that goes right to london meanwhile you're you're listening to what she says you you in your own heart feel that there's a bigger agenda here, but oh, yet, it, but it, yet you're not going to service that agenda through the book.
2: Well, I don't feel as if there's an agenda in terms of Jessica having some kind of covert involvement with the government or something like that. It's really not who she is or where she's been. Uh, the, once you understand her and Eric, you realize it, their humanitarian concern really is what motivates them. And a number of other expats down there, by the way. I don't want to make it sound like they're the only two doing this. Um,
1: Why are we so damn nice?
2: Yeah. There's, and and take so good. much
1: crap for it?
2: Yeah. Well, so I mean, same
1: with the Swedes than Danes. I mean, for crying out loud, we're hated by the Canadians. Let's start. <laughs> and I'm not kidding with that. Hey, let's start there. You know, jealousy
2: you know. is a funny force. You know, we have the most magnificent nation that's ever existed. No question. We're, we're the light of the world. No question. And and there will be the hate of those who uh, who I don't know. The jealousy overwhelms their common sense
0: so uh you got you got punks doing the bidding of people with ulterior motives you got humanitarian suffering suffering because of it and you got a president who goes i'm not taking this crap sending this sending the seals
2: well. And all in all, you got a great love story of a couple who were trying to get pregnant when she was kidnapped. She thought she was pregnant, that they took her, found out she wasn't while she was in the desert, and they finally got back together again, which was, of course, impossible. Of course that never happens, but it happened anyway. And their beautiful baby boy now is a testament to that. So um, it's a perfect circle
0: so it's really an amazing story and they,
1: the, the it's it's you know what and, I, and anthony with all due respect it's just too perfect for me <laughs> no no it, it is there's too much danger it's yet
2: possible i understand
1: yeah no it's just it's somewhat you, know, you call me a cynic okay i'm a cynic you are a cynic, well, you are I, a cynic. I don't like being a cynic Everyone's Well, it's too late <laughs>
3: well, to follow to follow your premise howard Um, It sounds like um, the individuals that had kidnapped her or were keeping watch on her were what we would call lost leaders. They were pawns to be sacrificed Maybe. for the experiment.
2: Maybe. Quite yeah. right. I, I Maybe.
0: Agree, yes. well, I don't know if I totally agree. Yeah, that's because you're so cynical. But, I mean, here we got Anthony, who's been close to the case, who, who wisely uh, tells the story from the human perspective, which I really appreciate. And uh, he's no dumbbell, as you've noticed. He, he, no, no, he, no, no, no. No, no, a, no
3: actually, actually, he's a barbell. He's, Anthony's <laughs> never
1: been a, a dumbbell, of <laughs> it to this show. It, it, it's, um, I just find it's a damn perfect and that's that's what's well she just she wasn't finding it perfect when she was near
0: death i assure you you know
1: you know one thing i know how to do really well is i can analyze somebody that does the tonight show and i you know i watched her tonight show piece a bunch of times and it was again jay leno who you know can't interview a stone
3: (laughs) so So how long have you been a rock
1: so you know here, here you've got this story coming out perfectly and I'm going, wait a minute, i got to talk to Anthony about this, because this is too perfect for me. It's just way, something's not right. All the end, ends are tied up perfectly. And uh, this is not a perfect world we live in, especially when we're dealing with... That's bugs. what makes the story so compelling. Oh, it is. Damn, it is. I mean, people read this book and go, my goodness, this is something. You know, there well, can there can if, be if a, a happy second ending. If the book
2: were to come from this, it would be around the very real effects that she has had to work through and that Eric have had to work through since she came back. It's no easy ride, of course, and that's where I think the publicity can can give a distorted view that somehow the rainbow is just out. But, you know, she's got her own PTSD to deal that with. Was, that
0: was my next question. She must have post-traumatic stress disorder from all of this crap she's been through. But she, she did strike me.
2: And just subtle things like you step up by someone to touch them gently and they jump three feet in the air. I mean, there's, you know, she's a human, so I don't, we don't want to make it sound like she waltzed out of this. It's just that for her to be alive, to even be able to be battling PTSD is just so, so glorious because she had finally just accepted that she couldn't survive. And
1: get thing. pregnant and have a healthy child
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well the kid will wind up in therapy because mom has ptsd let me tell you something my kids are in therapy okay yeah. <laughs> well i can understand that they got a cynical father
1: yes they do and, and a
3: flag-waving you know, mother
1: well well that's a whole other story <laughs> they should live and be well the, but the uh the, you know it's it's just fascinating is the there, story is, is a fascinating story the book is terrific and 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 you know once again you hit it out of the park sir but it's, well, gentlemen,
2: it, thank you very much. Burroughs, great to be here. It's great to talk to you. Well, I, we're we're, we're you should, not going away yet. Yeah, well, you, oh, I'm do,
1: gone. Bye. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't run yet. I just softened you up because I'm going for the big question in about
0: 10 oh. minutes. <laughs> but as long as we got you on
1: the phone.
3: Know what he's wearing. I, I
0: want to, I want to mention the fact that Anthony Flacco has been on the show before a few years ago, about, two, about three years ago now. Time goes by so quickly talking about his great book, Road Out of Hell, which is... Uh, of course, I see you on, uh, or I hear you on TV all the time because uh, when you were on the show last time, Hart Fisher, videotaped the, uh, the thing, and he runs that on American Horrors almost every Tuesday. It's the Anthony Flacco Day on uh, American uh. Horrors television. But uh, you also have written several other books. Uh, one that I'm eager to get my hands on is one about uh, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. Tesla is a fascinating, fascinating man. The what,
3: um, the father of electricity?
0: Yes, and the mother of invention. <laughs> <laughs> that was Frank Zappa. Yeah, Oh, yeah, I always get those two confused. Zappa. They look so much alike.
2: Uh, well, they both Could you
0: give us a little background on Tesla as long as I got you here?
2: Well, sure. I'm grateful now, but partially because of the car company, but also because he's sort of in the zeitgeist. The, he, he the fact that there was an Nikola Tesla is sort of kind of getting into our culture and getting generally understood, uh, and he was an electrical genius of our age in the early 20th century, born in uh, Siberia, and uh, uh, not Siberia, <coughs> Serbia, and uh, emigrated here at about the age of 28, and lived the rest of his life here, died here in 1943, and uh, with about 700 international patents to his name and died broke. He uh, invented the alternating current form of electricity, which we use, uh, installed the first generators, which he also designed and invented under Niagara Falls, illuminated you know, the first cities of our country. Our whole electrical grid was designed by this guy, most of it in his head sitting alone in a room, Uh, and yet he died too poor to pay his own light bill on the light system he invented and installed. Why is that? Because of the robber baron uh, the J.P. Morgans and the, and the Westinghouses of the day who uh, took advantage of his. Uh, uh, you know, he's sort of the opposite side of the coin of someone like Jessica. When you talk about being too good to be true, uh, he was also too good to be true, and, and ultimately to his downfall. He was a man who thought we have been gifted with genius. We have brains which can sit down and create these magnificent things in our imagination. Therefore, if you and I deal with one another, honor is compelled upon us. We don't need contracts. We're men of vision. And he actually believed that to the point of putting fortune and future and his life on that principle. And he was tricked like a punk in a crack house.
0: Yeah, I know about that.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Howard, being in show business, you know how that works. I, I created most of it. <laughs> but
3: the punks and crack houses? No, yeah. no, no.
0: Thinking that we can trust each other here. We're all in showbiz.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't
0: need contracts. <laughs> yeah, what, what was the great line I heard one comment say? We don't want to get lawyers involved. They always mess everything up. Well, by the way,
2: they do. Let's take a break. We're going to
0: take a 60-second break. I'm going to uh, pull out my Tesla coil and play with it. We'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored with guest Anthony Flacco.
2: Hey, gang. This is Lori Downey Jr., and I've got a message just for you. If you own a cell phone, and we know you do, or ride a plastic pony in front of Albertsons, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now safe to roam while Barstow's burning and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio app from RadioLoyalty.com. The smoking, drinking, interrupting 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your cell phone or Apple device is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends on Outlaw Radio. You know, the demons of decadence change the way you listen to radio seven days a week now available free at radioloyalty.com Just punching Outlaw Radio.
0: Hi, I'm the legendary Burl Bear, raised on records, born to rock and roll, famous true crime author. We've been talking to Anthony Flacco and his uh, beloved, who's also his agent, Charlene Martin. She hooked me up with uh, my old pal, uh, Darren Gaviticoe, and uh, we did Deadly Sins. In fact, I taped another episode of Deadly Sins that'll be on in in August. And uh, that just is one more reason to say, gee, Burl, you must be somebody to reckon with. And I reckon you should buy all my books. The latest one is Body Count, the true story of the Spokane serial killer Robert Lee Yates Jr. While you're at it, pick up Headshot, Two and a Half Psychopaths, and Three Trials, and some really disgusting photos. And there's also Masters of True Crime, 17 true crime authors, all of the same book. Yeah, I'm in there with Catherine Ramsland and uh, all sorts of people. So, uh, do me a big favor, make my life wonderful, and buy all my books when you buy Anthony Flacco's new book as well, because, you No, we also insist you buy them new and not used, because when you buy used books, the authors don't make a damn dime. And now back to True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. Back to True Crime Uncensored. Yeah, I've heard of it. Keep going. With Burl Bear (laughs) and Howard Lapidus. And this guy over here in the corner, Mark Boyer featuring Mark C.G. Boyer and a woman with the big hooters and sometimes Marie Mackey Esquire no, no, now this mic doesn't work either (laughs) that's good (laughs) produced Produced by Magic Matthew Allen who in turn is produced by this long leggy blonde who in turn is produced by Laurie Downey Jr. and now back to True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio USA.com your microphone's off try wiggling your stomach it usually works <laughs> yeah, I know it does. It really it's just, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, hey, well, Anthony Flacco. Anthony, sorry. We were talking about Nikola Tesla, the guy who used to put on lightning shows in the desert just for fun. You still there, Anthony? Yeah, I'm still here. No, isn't it true? <laughs> is it? He's just stunned, Anthony. I heard that the Tesla was going to power the World's Fair in France or someplace from New York.
2: Well, he had all sorts of grand plans. Uh, they were kind of, in a way, his undoing because he would have these grand plans and invent the technology to put them through, but at the level where it took on business acumen in order to be able to make them materialize, that's where he failed and was constantly cheated. That point of honor we were talking about earlier would step in. And the point, the one point of almost mental illness, I think, that uh, afflicted him was that he, he could not learn from that situation, he'd get burned and go right out and do the same thing again. and get burned again. Uh, and, and he kept hoping to meet an honest
0: man. Did he also have that same condition that Howard Hughes did, where like, don't touch me, the germs will get me?
2: Yes, he was a germaphobe. He had all sorts of little ticks and obsessions. Uh, he would count his footsteps and always make sure that when he arrived, the number was divisible by three. Uh, <laughs> and even. Yeah, who doesn't do that? Yeah,
0: we all do that, Anthony. You I mean, that. you don't yeah. do that. <laughs> I ask your
1: wife. I bet she does that. Anthony, how is it uh, that you're so prolific uh, 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 to write about that yes. whole situation in Somalia with um, Buchanan, and then and then be so prolific and speak to Tesla like you knew him? Um, oh, what's, well, thank
2: what, you. That's very kind.
1: What of you is thank the? You. Uh, you're welcome. And, and it's my pleasure to be able to say it. But uh, what is the book that's inside you that you haven't written yet? What do you want to do? What's the book?
2: Well, the know, story you want always, to tell? Isn't it, guys? Isn't the same for all of us? Though, isn't it always the one you're doing now? Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, that, you know, I've always uh, that happens to me. You know, I get I get excited about the next thing, but you know, there's always that thing in the back of my head that says I really want to do X, Y, and Z, and don't know if I'll ever get to it, but but want to.
2: Well, I'd love to see Tesla get made as a film, I can tell you that. I'm happy to say uh, Impossible Odds has been bought as a film, and I'm hired to write the screenplay. That's what I'm on now. That's a good so Of course, the most important thing now is the screenplay for the movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, who uh, who picked that one up?
2: There, I, I can't. The, the, the announcement is, is, like, outside my hands. Talk to Charlene, oh. and she'll give you all the details. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. But we're thrilled to thru- 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 hear that. I
1: mean, though. now you got to write 90 pages. Big deal.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that's right. I'll crack
0: it off. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll do it. You'll do it. And, uh, yes, that thing is, on the Tesla book, you kind of throw some romance in there, don't you?
2: Well, yeah, because uh, to me, that that's, that's what the story really is. There's, there's a number of wonderful nonfiction books out there about Tesla that have uh, been written. And, and uh, Margaret Cheney's book is fabulous. Uh, John J. O'Neill's book is, is wonderful. It's basic to anybody who loves Tesla Uh, but I wanted to try to get inside his head and and you had said earlier something about the span between uh, a story about Nikola Tesla and and, and a raiding party in Somalia on a kidnap situation but in both instances to me you're trying to work at the personal level of putting yourself first and then the readers behind the eyes of this person and, and taking this fascinating journey through this experience they had. In Jessica's case it's a 93 day experience in Tesla's case we follow him from his teens to his final moments just because his story is so great as far as i'm concerned there's nowhere you should cut out of it you need to stay with it you know
1: if i wanted to learn about tesla because i know very little but now you've got me hooked in i'm fascinated do i start with your book or is there uh, something before your book or where, should, where would where lead me uh, to tesla
2: Well, uh, in in all humility, I I would suggest you start with a book called Prodigal Genius by John J. O'Neill. The reason is this is the only biography we're ever going to have by someone who actually knew Tesla and interviewed him on a number of different occasions over the years. Now he takes a very hardcore Christian look at all this and he thinks that Tesla's obsession with the white dove was was Jesus Christ talking to him. So you have to look through the man's ideology and, and to his just basic human insight about this person who he actually knew. And that'll introduce you to this to the man Nikola Tesla. Is that what
1: hooked you? What or what something else hooked you?
2: No, I was Fifteen years old, and my friends and I had skipped out of school, and we were smoking marijuana for the first time. That'll do it. Sitting around in this building in Manitou Springs, Colorado, when one of them pointed out that we weren't too far from where this laboratory, this genius was, who knew all about electricity... And from that actually started my obsession with Tesla. I started reading about him, and I just have ever since.
1: So basically you're you're just whacked, and then you go for
2: it. (laughs) That's right. Okay,
1: yeah, I just want to get that straight.
2: Skip out of school, ruin your life, and uh, find an interesting Become a best-selling author. You're a
0: role model. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Does your wife know any of this? (laughs) She knows all of this. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah.
0: She does now. She she does now. How many books you got out now, Anthony?
2: Eight now.
0: And more coming. Your fame is growing rapidly.
2: Well, thank you, gentlemen. You've been very kind.
0: Now I'll tell you, when, uh, getting back to uh, Impossible Odds, do you still uh, interact with uh, the main characters here?
2: Oh yeah. Um, except they just took off yesterday on a vacation uh, for a month in Sweden, so I don't think I'll. But we might Skype if we need to. But they stay in touch uh, through Charlene, and then and, and I stay in touch with them too. We're, we're looking about writing an article, perhaps for the journal or something together on some of their concerns about Africa. It would kind of go to answering your questions about what it is they're doing there, and you know what what intrigues them, what holds them to such a thing. Well why do uh, they want to play now with... when it would be so re- easy to just blow it all off
1: why do they want to play with such high danger is my question I mean, does she know yeah. how to shoot a gun yeah.
2: I, I don't know to me it's like the same thing with people who go uh, base jumping off radio antennas i i can't explain it I just note that they do it you know, you know? there are
0: there are people Anthony and, and you've met them and, and I've met them and maybe Howard hasn 't encountered them too often whose sense of of humanitarian purpose as if they, they see something like a kid with their arms and legs blown off or something, and they feel a calling. And uh, that calling, uh, whether it puts them in danger, is secondary to what it is they are attempting to do to make the world better.
2: Very well said. I agree completely. It, it becomes at the, on the nature <clears throat> of a compulsion for them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, once, once you uh, have a uh, turnabout of the deepest seat of consciousness... And that becomes your priority. Your personal safety takes second place to what you can do for the world.
2: Oh, I wish I'd put that in there. That's perfect. I, I agree completely. Yeah. Gee, Burl, you should
3: you should be. An I author. should be
0: a writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a way with words and a way with women.
3: I, 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 wrote, well, I, wrote, mostly, I wrote that for Pearl. Mostly, you chase women away. So oh, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, a couple of aspects of the uh, of the raid that I wanted to ask about. Um, Did they eliminate all of the kidnappers that were there?
2: Yes, they killed everyone in the camp, but they were working in a rotating shift. So the, the, the shift that was on was nine that night. So um, the ones who got away, as you said before, are, are gangbangers who drifted back into their wherever they come from. The problem is, of course, they did not get uh, the head of this serpent. And uh, the FBI's concern when I was writing the book and up until it was released was that we not compromise whatever they're doing investing. Uh, investigating right. that
1: in. Why didn't they grab at least one of them? Instead of killing all of them, grab one uh, and, and put them through what we know we can put people through to find out information. Yeah, to not let him have his drugs.
2: I, you know, I don't know, other than the fact that I know that the, main, the biggest concern was that for all of their, their tech and all of their ability, it just took one punk to pull the trigger, and that she was surrounded by these guys. They literally were sleeping three and four feet away from her on the ground.
1: So they had to just firebomb bomb them, just, just take them all out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't risk it. All it takes is one bullet.
1: Now, when the guys are on their break, those other guys, uh, are they back in town having fun? Or, I mean, where are these guys? What do they do for fun? Well, fun?
2: They're not allowed to have fun. <laughs> well, that's my but, point. But is the the way they, were they, they survived, there was a nearby town called Adado, which is a, a tiny town, but it was a place. And they could rotate through there. Uh, they could go down to Mogadishu if they wanted, Depended on uh, how much transportation they would have, what kind of access to fuel would really be the controlling thing. So, I was wondering
1: what th- guys like that did in their off hours. I, it, it, the, the, <laughs> honest to God, when I was a kid, I, I was my assignment was to hire a hooker for a, a, a bachelor party.
0: And yet you're still doing it, the bachelor party's over.
1: It, that's correct. But I, I call up the hooker, and I tell her the date, and she goes, "Oh, well, that's a Saturday. I said, yeah. And she says, well, that's my night off. So I'm thinking, what does a hooker do on her night off? I mean,
0: <laughs> she goes out and gets laid. Yeah, well, no. That's work. Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, what See, does she do, move in with a family and play Scrabble?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Go to a movie. Yeah, yeah play Mahjong.
1: You know, I was fascinated by that. So I'm fascinated by what people do in their time off. So what do kidnappers do on their break <laughs> is, is my big question. And I'm getting well, a little...
2: mostly what these guys do is starve and stare at a life with absolutely no prospect to it, which is why they're kidnappers, and for them, the risk they take makes sense given the life they face otherwise. You know.
0: Yeah. So what we have here is a parallel situation. You have a woman who, in her life, sees that the purpose in her life, how to give meaning to her life, is to help these kids not get their arms and legs blown off. Meanwhile, you have other kids who see no future except having arm and legs blown off and their only way of giving meaning to their life is to be kidnappers.
2: Excellent. And that's that's the to me that the tragic level of the conflict that's here. These huge forces are driving these people and just the, these these little guys are the ones actually on the ground being affected by this and uh, the consequences are So what what
0: I find what I find fascinating here Anthony is that the same mindset, with a, not a play a word on mind, that blows up these kids, is the same exploitive mindset that takes the kids that aren't blown up and has them do the kidnapping. It's a total disregard for the value of human life, and putting people in situations where they devalue human life.
2: Her youngest attacker was eleven years old. This kid's toting an AK-47 and chewing cot leaves.
0: Did he get killed?
2: Uh, yes, I believe he was one of the ones killed.
0: So what we have, there's a really, it's, it's almost like a vicious cycle. She's trying to rescue the very people that are attacking her.
3: There's something else that you're missing, yes. um, Pearl. The um It might not be as easy to get uh, as many individuals involved in this activity if it wasn't for this parade of, uh, of drugs that they're being given.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I have access to everywhere in L.A. We can get any drugs we want. Well,
3: that's the point. They can't. You obviously have somebody that is in control of the mind-altering material and
2: spoon-feeding it to these Let's people.
1: talk about Mr. Big in London, okay? Is he uh, going to put on a three-piece suit on Saturday night and going down to the West End and taking in the theater?
2: Well, I I don't know about that, but I would expect that this is a person who is acculturated there and could blend in society. He's not some guy trying to work at a little job in the fruit market or something. Uh, He would have to have business acumen. He'd have to have certain sophistication with language just to to operate on levels that were meaningful to someone like him.
1: What you're saying, Uh, though, if we were ever to find him, we would be shocked.
2: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, well, I'll
1: tell you something, Anthony. There was an
0: FBI agent uh, here that was going to do a book with our our friend, uh, Private I, Fred Wolfson, and gave him all of his personal FBI files and then went off and did something else and never came back to claim them. So I got him. And uh, I'm reading these FBI, these are the actual FBI reports. It was the biggest bust in uh, of drugs in uh, FBI history. It was tons and tons and tons of marijuana. The FBI was involved in smuggling drugs so they could find out who the other drug smugglers were and arrest them. They do this giant sting operation. They bust all sorts of people, and they know who Mr. Big is. And they're just about to get Mr. Big when... CIA comes to FBI and says, you can't go after Mr. Big. Why is that? He is a major contractor with the U.S. government, and there are pictures of him hanging in the White House, shaking hands with presidents.
1: You can't touch him.
2: Yeah, that to me has a disturbingly familiar ring to it.
1: So back to we would be shocked if we knew who he was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I don't know, but having worked in the milieu the way I have, that's the feeling I get. Do you think it's the, like, you the think more the, you know, the less you wish you knew? Do
1: you think the White House knows who he is?
2: Well, who, who can say? If, if, if it, who he is is known, if it's known to any official circles, then sure, the White House would have to know. I, uh, why would they not? Have it important, uh, the knowledge is strategically important in terms of uh, uh, policy.
1: But we can't take him out. Or, or he is, SEAL Team 6 is there because he somehow double-crossed the White House. You know, that's a big—you know—you want to screw with me? I'll screw with you. Game that you know we play on the playground. They don't. They play it in, in real life.
3: Unfortunately, yeah. I think there's, it's more mundane. It was—it um, was a test, and uh, our government said, "Okay, uh, this is what we're going to do." He said-
0: and well, you know what? According to the big clock on the wall, it says that it's time for Mr. Big to go to the play. Yeah, Anthony,
1: <laughs> Anthony, thanks so much. This was really fascinating.
0: impossible. Odds is the best-selling you, new book by Anthony Flacco. You should buy several copies immediately when you're buying mine.
1: <laughs> Stop selling it, Dan. I've got a guest here.
0: I know. My wife Anthony. is listening. I know. Hi, Charlene. <laughs> I love your wife, by the way. That's great. Yeah. Why don't you tell him any he loves? That's well, great. Wife. That makes two of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, Okay, thanks again, Anthony. going to have you back on as soon as you write another best-seller. okay? Or when the movie comes out. out. Yeah, when the movie comes out. Bada bing! Bada bing, bada bing. Let's do Outlaw Radio, guys. Okay, I think Magic Matt Allen of the Demons of Decadence are next. I just saw Ralphie come crawling in with a cigar in his face. Ah, oh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for making us the standard of a beleaguered and tempest-tossed broadcast industry.